And now, City Slickers with Chuck and Victoria. Two judgmental New Yorkers talking movies. Hey guys, welcome back. It's episode six of City Slickers with Chuck and Victoria. I'm Victoria Keelan. That's my buddy Chuck Curry. And today... We are paying homage to our hometown. Chuck is from Brooklyn. I'm a Manhattan girl. And so today, all of our favorite movies in various categories that have been set in and around New York City. That's our big focus today. Chucker, I know that this is a, a topic that is close to your heart as it is mine. So I will give you the honors of starting it off for us today. First, I was going to say I was trying to come up with a concept of uh, movies centered around, uh, centered, centered around Strasburg, Pennsylvania. But I couldn't, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't find too many. So I think New York is a pretty good choice. You know, it's interesting. New York has been such a diverse uh, location for movies, whether it's, uh, it's true. shot in New York, uh, there's movies that make you want to travel to New York, but there's more dramatic movies, some movies that are very dark in tone that were set in, in New York, a different time period type movies, there's romantic movies set in New York, genre movies that are set in New York, comedic, so on and so so forth. I mean, I could have probably listed or gone over 200 uh, plus films, but we certainly don't have the time. So we'll bounce into some of the ones that are on the top of my mind that I really like. And we'll da- bounce into a couple that are more darker in tone that take place in the 1970s. And the first one that comes to my head, which is really a blueprint for the way Times Square used to look in the early 1970s, and that's Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver from 1973, which starred Robert De Niro. The two have collaborated on nine films and the 10th one on the way, but none better than this film set in 1973, where Robert De Niro played a taxi drive, a taxi cab driver who drove around Times Square on the verge of a mental breakdown. Uh, Jodie Foster, one of the first uh, roles she had, played a young uh, teenage prostitute in the film. Sybil Sybil Shepard, also in this movie, was a uh, potential love interest for De Niro's character until she found out that he was pretty much bonkers. Uh, This is a great (laughs) film. But if you look at Taxi Driver as a whole, and it's an awesome-looking high-definition print of this film that you go catch in a movie theater in a revival showing or on Blu-ray. Movie looks absolutely incredible. But this is the decaying New York of the 1970s, and it is a really perfect picture blueprint of the underbelly ugliness of the way New York realistically was in that time period. Thankfully, that's before I got here. (laughs) Let me tell you, if New York looked like like it did in Taxi Driver, you'd be living in Connecticut. Right. <laughs> it is a, that is a very gritty visual of, and, and I, I, I wasn't here then, uh, I wasn't alive then, but I'm sure that that probably was realistic in the way it was portrayed, the way the city was portrayed. I mean, the city, that's the thing about New York City that I think is so different from any other location, except maybe Paris. I'll give Paris, I'll put Paris in this category as well, where the city is actually another character in the movie. Very and. True. And I think that, you know, even in Sex and the City, the series, the, the city really was the fifth girl. And, and the, the city has always been, it's just this larger than life thing that, that is, whether it's a good movie or a bad movie, if a movie is set in New York or in Paris, it kind of gets a pass because the city itself elevates the level of the movie. So it's that's uh, that's that's a dark way to start our podcast off, Chuck. But, <laughs> but you're right. And I got one more dark one. Uh, there's a movie from uh, I believe it's 19, uh, 1969 called Midnight Cowboy, which won mm-hmm. the Oscar for Best Picture. When yeah. that movie was released, it saw John Voight played a uh, a, a uh, street 
gigolo and a hustler and co-star Dustin Hoffman is a character named Rasso Rizzo. I believe he won an Oscar for that performance. This is another dark movie about the underbelly yeah. of uh, New York City. And when it was released at the time, it was, was released with an X rating, which is equivalent today of what we have a NC-17. Very few films ever get, get released with an NC-17 nowadays. But uh, back then, when a movie was a little bit way too strong for an R, they labeled it with an X. Not to be mistaken with a triple X rating, but with an X rating. Right. Really good film, but a gritty film that sort of makes you want to take a shower. When it's- <laughs> but as New York City movies goes, it's, it is actually a really good film. Wow. Yeah, that's true. That's a dark one as well. <laughs> and, I got, and, I got, and I got two more dark ones. Okay. That, one is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's a movie from 1973 called The Taking of Pelham 123, which was about uh, a, a gang of, uh, of, of, of criminals who take a New York City subway car hostage. And Walter Matthau is a star. He plays a New York City transit cop who goes after these guys. And the, the lead uh, villain in the movie was played by um, – Robert Shore, who was Quint in Jaws. Oh, yeah, from Jaws, yeah. Great film. They remade it a few years ago with uh, Denzel Washington and John Travolta. I like that version, but I love the 73 version of the Taking of Pelham 123. Show the New York City subway system as it was in the 1970s. Had had this really cool car chase sequence down the street of New York when they're delivering the ransom money, which at that time, I think they wanted, uh, uh, was it uh, around a million? I think it was around a million around a million dollars, which was a lot of money back uh, for a ransom of New York City residences back in 73. But this is another great New York City movie that really is a blueprint for the setting of New York City in the 1970s. That's true. That is true. That's a good one. And is I that got, it for your dark category? You got one more. I got one more, which was very prominent and really had a lot, of, a, a strong social impact in the 1970s. It was a movie called Death Wish in 1974, which starred Charles Bronson as a guy who was an architect in the film. His wife was uh, uh, murdered by a a gang of robbers who break into their apartment. Uh, And the crime rate in the early 70s in New York was through the roof. And this really hit a nerve with people, not only in New York City, but around the country. It became a big hit. It really is nothing more than a B-exploitation film. Mm -hmm. It hit a nerve, and it really captures... Uh, the setting of New York uh, City really well in the 1970s, which really, and I hate to say it, was not a pretty picture back right. in the decade. It wasn't. And even in the 80s, you know, there, there were the, the, I don't really know if there were a whole lot of movies filmed in the 80s in New York. That's something, I mean, I know 84 was Ghostbusters and that's such a happy-go-lucky kind of fun movie. But um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you one. What about okay. Working Girl? What about Working Girl? That's that's a great example, and actually, I'm adding that to my list. It's one I I can't believe I don't have Working Girl on my list. I love Working Girl, although I do always think of it a little bit more as Staten Island. But yes, <laughs> but, but but it also it sh- it prominently showed the Staten Island ferry, probably yeah. unlike uh, any any other uh, any other uh, film, especially in the uh, 1980s. But that was a really good movie. That that's really a great movie. A lot that of is- people to the star power of Melanie Griffith back in the day. And you know, it's, it's such, when you look back on it, all the women to me in Working Girl really carried that movie. And I, as much as I love Harrison Ford, I do think, though, that that could have been any popular actor at the time. You could think about maybe a Pierce Brosnan in that role. Or uh, last week on the podcast, we talked about, um, I'm blanking on his name, Nash Bridges. 
Why am I, Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Could have been Don Johnson. That could have even been a Bruce Willis back in the 80s. That role that uh, that Jack Trainer, the character Jack Trainer, that role that he played, Harrison Ford played, really was not that important compared to the rest of the women who were in that movie. So Working Girl is definitely one of my favorite New York movies. And I think one of the cool things about it, if you've ever been to Staten Island or if you've ever been on that ferry, Mm -hmm. when you see people going, especially in the 80s, it really did show the difference between between Manhattan, the way people lived, the amount of money that they had, and the way that people in Staten Island lived. It was was two different worlds separated by a 20-minute boat ride. And it was kind of, I thought the movie did a really good job showing the difference of how much she needs to change to fit into that new world and back then in the in you know in the 80s it was kind of a lot of movies about like the the rich kids and the poor kids or who was on the wrong side of the tracks and that and working girl kind of played right into that that stereotype of the haves and the have-nots which is sort of a a deeper commentary on on a which is also a a funny movie so a lot of really funny lines in that movie too very entertaining movie that was a big box office hit in the 1980s. You know, interesting, if they made that movie now in 2017, would it radiate with the uh, American public the way it did in the 80s? I'm going to say not, and then I'm going to bounce yeah. into another movie that had a New York uh, City setting that fits into the uh, sort of romantic comedy drama category, and that's uh, When Harry Met Sally, which oh, love it. was a great pairing of Meg Ryan and uh, Billy Crystal. Amazing, amazing chemistry with those two. Such a great movie. Um, I, I, I think you could probably take a, a class, a college course on, <laughs> on everything that's in Harry Met Sally. The, the psychology, all the conversations they have. Can men and women really be friends? I mean, there's so many elements to When Harry Met Sally that I love. And once again, New York City played another lead character in that movie. Um, there, there's, I forget which deli it is. Is it Katz's Deli? Where they go, the Carnegie Deli. Yeah, they they when you, I think the Carnegie Deli closed now, didn't it? I think it did. Um, all those great places. There's very few of them left now, unfortunately. Gentrification. So we can we can say (laughs) that. I mean, that's that's what's happened. But you know, I I know I know one thing. A few years ago, a corned beef sandwich was pretty high in that place. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. But you know, that's the thing. Like you go in there and you still see pictures on the wall of, you know, of Meg Ryan filming and everything. And it's one of those, it's, it's, it's one of those movies where people recognized a lot of the different sites that they used in the movie and people and became a tourist attraction. Everybody, you know, when you ride around on those buses, like they have the LA star buses in New York, they've got the red double decker buses and, and they just do movie tours and you can see where all of your favorite scenes were filmed. It's really very, very cool. Um, one other Meg Ryan New York film. I'm, I'm not that big of a Sleepless in Seattle fan, to be honest. I thought it was like, eh. But Me too. one of my favorite movies, though, is You've Got Mail. I thought that was absolutely fabulous. It remains one of my favorites. And all filmed, Nora Ephron film. And the only reason I mentioned Nora Ephron is she's such a huge New Yorker. And everything that she filmed in New York was you know, was just like a love affair with the city. So she filmed all of You've Got Mail on the Upper West Side, which is where I live. And in the uh, the little cafe where Meg Ryan goes and she has the rose in the book and she's going to meet um, who she doesn't know is Tom Hanks, but she's right. going to meet her friend for the first time, her online friend. Um, that's, I just had lunch there last week. I love that. Cafe Lalo is the name of the place. And uh, it's, for me, living on the Upper West Side, it's, it's just, I constantly see scenes from that movie and once again the city was just another major character in it 
but I thought their chemistry was never better than in You've Got Mail. You know, it's interesting that you bring up, because uh, I was just thinking when you, when you mentioned The Sleepless in Seattle and has a scene atop the Empire State Building, how fixtures like the Empire State Building and obviously World Trade Center became uh, very prominent in a lot yeah. of films over uh, many decades. And I guess the most prominent uh, Empire State Building uh, New York City film would probably be King Kong, Right. Uh, there were three versions, the 33 vi- version with Faye, we- uh, Faye Ray, and then Peter Jackson did the version also with uh, Adrian Brody uh, and oh, right. Jack yep. Black and um, Naomi Watts, right? Na- Naomi Watts, uh, which uh, was a very solid film, a little bit over long, but prominently used yeah, the long, Empire yep. State Building. But what's interesting, the 76 version, which starred Jessica Lang and Jeff Bridges, uh, King Kong tr- climbed to the uh, World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Back in uh, 1976. And, it's, you know, it's interesting because I did a revival showing of the 76 King Kong uh, last year. And it's just, it's sort of a little bit, it is, I mean, I have to be honest, it is eerie to see such a, a big scope movie feature, you know, the power of the structure yeah. of the World Trade Center. And, you know, it's interesting because after 9-11, a lot of studios shied away from, uh, you know, using the World Trade Center is a prominent landmark. He actually, uh, the, the year, I think it was 2002 when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out, there was a scene shot where Spider-Man was swinging around the World Trade Center that they cut out of the finished product because they were a little bit um, gun shy about releasing it with that uh, image. But the World Trade Center has been so prominently featured in a lot of New York City movies. There's a shot at the end of Daylight with Sylvester Stallone where you see the uh, World Trade Center. And there's so many other films that use the World Trade Center uh, as a prominent fixture yeah. in, in movies back in the uh, back in well, the Well, did you ever see, this is a movie, and this is now popping into my head as we're, we're kind of jogging each other's memory. But when uh, when my husband and I, Lewis and I just got married in, uh, in June, we were on our honeymoon in Mexico and we had, you know, there's always one day where you're sunburned and you just stay in the room. <laughs> so our day in the room, we just stayed in and watched movies. And there was a movie on with Joseph Gordon-Levitt called, um, it's, it was Man on a Wire, but it was actually called The Walk. Yeah, and okay. And that is, I never really I had any interest in seeing it, but it happened to be on, and hey, we were in Mexico, so it's Slim Pickens. Right. That movie is phenomenal. I would so recommend that to anyone. And the way they filmed him, and this is a true story, right. the way they filmed him walking the tightrope between Tower 1 and Tower 2 was it, it was it gives you goosebumps just watching it and and the fact that he really did that without a net it it's an unbelievable story the documentary i think was called man on a wire it was, it and was. i think that one do- best documentary at the oscars it that did. year and then uh and then i guess the 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 fictional well it's not really that fictionalized but the drama the scripted drama version with joseph gordon levitt came out i think right around the same time that is such i would highly highly recommend that movie to anyone that was just and i mean and to talk about a love for new york city the love he actually had for those real buildings it just comes it just it just comes through in the story and it was it now that they're gone it just really makes it so much more poignant no doubt uh, it, but yeah that's a great movie you're right that's that's a that's another good one right all focused on the world trade center i'm going to ba- i'm going to bounce into a couple that uh, much lighter and a lot of fun and then i'll go back into a little bit of a darker territory but <laughs> okay it, one I, I i i love the fact that it was set in new york and that's the sequel to home alone home alone 2 lost in New York, which is basically the same exact film as mm-hmm. the original New York, except it was set 
uh, where Kevin McAllister played by Macaulay Culkin, who I still think is maybe the most appealing child actor. Yeah, uh, for sure. Time. Um, it's a, a tremendously entertaining. And it, it's interesting because some of the movies set at the, um, the, Trump, pla- the Trump Plaza, the hotel. Right. Which was at the time the Trump Plaza in the eighties, yeah. Right. It wasn't and just I, called the Plaza; they right. called it and, Trump and, Plaza. And I, I and I actually remember in the it was probably in the nineties. I stayed at that hotel for one night, mm-hmm. and I what I remember about it is that the room was way too small, <laughs> and uh, I mean it was nice, but honestly, I wouldn't do a hula hoop bragging about how awesome. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with. Uh, a, my political views. I'm just giving a, a yeah. A, no, I say there when we were kids of of the hotel, but Home Alone yeah, 2 was small. <laughs> is a lot of fun. And then the sequel to Gremlins, which came out six years after uh, the original original Gremlins of '84, came out in 1990. Gremlins 2: The New Batch was uh, shot and uh, set in New York City. And I thought that movie is very underrated and also a, a lot of fun on a much uh, lighter note. If if you like. Uh, you know, just lighter, entertaining movies set in New York City, Home Alone 2 and Gremlins 2. Well, and you, and yeah, and so, and to keep with that same category, there are a lot of great movies, actually. And, and I'll go, we'll stay in that same lane, going all the way back to Crocodile Dundee. I mean, that was, that was hilarious when he's in, when he's in New York, you know? I mean, they, the, it was, and I think he was at the Plaza, too, wasn't he? Or did they stay at the Waldorf? I think he was at the Waldorf Yeah, in, in that one. That's what you call a, uh, where they use New York City as a fish out of water setting. And they did the same thing with Eddie Murphy and Coming to America. Exactly. That's also on my list. Coming to America, one of my favorite, favorite comedies of all time. Um, actually, my husband, Lewis, is from Queens. And literally on our first date where we left the city, he, uh, he drove me. We went to, to a restaurant in Queens where he grew up. And I said to him, I said, I don't care where we go to eat. It's fine. I said, but you need to drive me past mcdowell's and i said is it real and he said yeah it's actually a wendy's i said i need to see mcdowell's (laughs) so we he drove me to queens boulevard (laughs) and we went right by mcdowell's and it is a wendy's or i think now it's it might even be a real mcdonald's but um and then the funny thing is do you remember the billboard that had soul glow it had the three had the mom the dad and the grandma on the you know on the big Uh billboard that billboard was still there and he pointed that out he was like and see that's where they actually had the Soul Glow ad when they were filming. It was such a cool thing to have one of my childhood favorite movies come to life when you get to see the real locations and, and McDowell's, it was bar none, you know, that, that's have, getting to see that in person that made that whole movie even better for me. But Coming to America, I, I, I think they're doing another one. Well, they're talking about it. They've been talking about a sequel for the last few years. But let's be honest, they've been Can't talking about a Beverly Hills doing. Cop sequel for the last five or six years. Right. Whether any of this stuff will ever materialize is anyone's guess. I'm going to bounce into two big, uh, bigger like genre movies that were that are very popular with a New York setting. One, uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York with Kurt Russell that came out in 1981. Uh, sort of a uh, interpretation of New York City after the fall of uh, civilization, which I'm a very big fan of. I'm a big fan of Carpenter, big fan of Kurt Russell. So I love Escape from uh, New York. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I have not seen that, no. Put is that it, is it in the dark category? Yeah, well, <laughs> not, 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 not it, it, it. It's more in the genre a popcorn entertainment category than realistically dark. And then there's a movie that you might've heard of that was really, again, this is another one of these movies that was controversial when it came out 
uh, but it has a huge cult following to this day from 1979, a movie called The Warriors, which dealt, dealt with a gang who is uh, fleeing from, an, from another group of gangs, and it covered, I think, every borough from uh, New York City to Brooklyn. Uh, the last scene takes place in Coney Island, uh, big cult following movie that is very popular, uh, The Warriors. I'm sure a lot of people in our audience are going to know uh, of that film. Uh, very entertaining movie. Hmm. Well, but, also, it's, it's, but also controversial because when it played in theaters, a lot of theater owners were very nervous that it would bring an element to the theater uh, uh, that liked uh, or radiated to, you know, sort of gang violence. And to some extent it did. There were some violent uh, incidences when this movie played in the theater back in 79. But it's a really well done, entertaining movie that uh, still has tremendous entertainment, entertainment value to this day. Well, and you know, and you mentioned Coney Island. Um, Coney Island certainly is another one of those, although not, you know, technically in New York City, but uh, certainly a destination that's been filmed for so many movies and TV shows and things like that. But one of the, uh, which, which is actually reminding me, it wasn't filmed at Coney Island. I think it was Adventureland, uh, where Tom Hanks filmed Big. Where was that? Was that Adventureland? I think, I, I don't think it was Coney Island, but Big has a New York... Uh, City setting. And again, oh, that's yeah. a really entertaining movie directed by uh, Penny Marshall of uh, Laverne and Shirley fame. Right. Um, it's a great movie. movie. That's a great movie. And, and, you know, there's so many back then, and that was in what? What year was Big? Early 80s? 83? 85? No, I like think that? Big, was, uh, Big was either late 80s or uh, very cusp of uh, 1990. Okay. Well, that and that also showed a really interesting side to new york city when you know the, like the fish out of water kind of thing too and in his case in his character's case literally fish out of water um like splash <laughs> but uh he it was interesting to see how th that was like in the 80s you know where everybody had power suits and everyone worked in advertising and all these stereotypes of movies back in the that were set in the 80s and the stretch limo that he takes to the party and all the extravagant you know expense accounts and all that stuff that you think of like like the movie wall street right you know it's kind of similar in that sense it was that's sort of like the the crazier part of new york city which is actually also bringing me to this is now jogging my memory i would also put sort of in that category of american psycho yeah, American Psycho is another New York City movie. Now you're going to really dark. I know. Now, is... now you're almost on my wavelength here. I know. And you know what the funny thing is? I yeah. love American Psycho. I love that movie. I don't know why, but I love that movie. It's a, ver it's a, it's a, it's a very good movie. And while you touched on which would be uh, categorized uh, into the horror category, you have New York City setting. You have the classic Rosemary ba Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm which is an awesome movie. And then there's a little known movie that I remember seeing in a theater back in the 1980s that had a New York setting that I thought was really cool. It was a movie called Wolfen uh, with Albert Finney. And it was about uh, like Indian uh, type uh, were were uh, werewolves in the film that had some really cool cinematography. Hmm. Uh, it's on Blu-ray if people haven't seen it. I think that's well worth seeing. But bouncing into something a little bit more fun, what do you think about uh, 82's Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman? Awesome New York City movie. Oh, see, now, okay, you and I are going to disagree on this one. Okay. I, I saw Tootsie a couple of years ago for the first time all the way through. I had seen it in bits and pieces. It's on TV a lot. So I right. wanted to really give it my full attention. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Okay. I, I didn't, I thought it was, 
yeah, I just, it was not one of those movies. I didn't think that New York City even, I don't even, you could have told me that that was filmed in Chicago and I would have believed you. I didn't think that it was a movie that really felt very New York, even though I know that technically they were in New York. But yeah, that was a movie that I just thought was very sexist and misogynistic and okay. just, I, I don't know. I Looking back on that, maybe it's an age thing because uh-huh. I didn't see it at the time that it came out. But yeah, that was that was not a movie that really did a whole lot for well, me. Well, let me, let me ask you another question. Jessica Lange. I love think? Jessica Lange. I, I did too. Yeah. And, and th- this might sound a little a tiny, and I'm not trying to be sexist in any way, but I always said, because I, I, well, I did a revival again. We talked about King Kong from 76. Right. I have never, in my, I just, whatever it is about Jessica Lange in a prime, I don't think any actress looked better on the big screen than Jessica Lange did in the late yeah. 70s and 80s. No, I, lo- I love Jessica Lange. I think she is just so phenomenal as an actor. I love her in all the American Horror Story series. I love her. Um, I thought she was amazing with Susan Sarandon in Feud. I don't know if you saw that FX miniseries. Uh, they, she played Joan Crawford. I've I, I, I seen bits and pieces. Yes, I mean, tremendous. It's so though. good. It was really, that was really good. And then, you know, and then Jessica Lange is, uh, to me, one of the best things she ever did with, with Drew Barrymore was that, I think it was a movie for HBO. I think they specifically did it for them. And that was the Grey Gardens movie. That was phenomenal. She was Big Edie and Drew Barrymore was Little Edie and they were living in their crazy nut house. But uh, in Grey Gardens, which I think was in Queens, right? Or was it Long I, Island? Yeah, uh, don't don't know Wolf. Yeah, but yeah, that's I, I love Jessica Lange. I'm definitely a fan of hers. Staying somewhat in the mystery, darker type of category, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. This one, might, this one might be you. You may really think I'm crazy for loving this movie, but a, a New York movie that I really, really love is uh, a movie called A Perfect Murder, and with Michael Douglas and Gwyneth Paltrow, okay, and, and Viggo Mortensen. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's the, it was essentially a remake of Dial M for Murder. Yeah, I saw it. The old, you know, Hitchcock movie. But it's all filmed um, right on the east side, right through Central Park. Gorgeous scenery. I thought it captured. She works at the UN, so there's like kind of a UN aspect to it as well. I thought it was just such a great uh, thriller, I guess. As and and to have her be, have Gwyneth Paltrow be in that type of lead. She's never done a movie like that, really, before or after. And Michael Douglas was so so good in that movie because he was charming and likable, but at the same time, he's a murderer. So like, it's you're on the fence about how do you really feel about him. And I thought there was, I thought they captured the suspense really well of of a, of a desperate woman trying to get away from her husband in a subtle, you know, in an easy sort of subtle way. I it just to me it had me on the edge of my seat all the way until she finally makes it out. I don't want to spoil it, but it's a great ending. And um, I just love that movie. And I don't think it really gets the props that it deserves. No, it's a, it's a good, it's a good film. Another film with a good uh, New York setting. It's amazing how many, I probably could talk about this for the next. I know I'm starting. These are keep coming to my head now, (laughs) but yeah, I just wanted to mention a couple, even though it was built, you know, it's Metropolis and it's Superman, but there's a scene in in Superman two. When Superman re- returns from uh, being a mortal human being back to Superman and General Zod and Lex Luthor in, in the in the uh, Skyrise building and Superman says, care to step by, step outside, which is an iconic sequence in a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And then during the fight scene above uh, New York City, Superman throws General Zod's uh, goon into a giant Coke sign which is an incredible sequence right. uh, in that uh, movie. I love Superman and I love the original Superman 
That's uh, true. I love, I love them. I will always have a, a I, I, I think Henry, Ca- uh, Henry Cavill does a great job as the new Superman, but there's something about the way Christopher Reeve played that character. I just think that it's iconic and I, I think no one will ever really replace him. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, just bouncing into a couple more that I have on the top of my list, going back a little bit into darker territory, but you know, a lot of cop movies or police, police movies use New York City as a setting. Two classics, one's The French Connection with Gene Hackman right. from 71, which used almost every borough in that film to full effect. It's beautifully shot film. It features subway system also in New York City. That is a great movie. And then Al Pacino, did a movie in 73, which was critically acclaimed called Serpico about an undercover cop who uh, unleashes police corruption. That was also a really good New York City movie ba- setback. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I really do believe it doesn't really matter when you're born. Is If you study, you know, movie history, I still believe the 1970s was, for, at least for me, the golden age in movies. I think there's something different before technology really paved the way for what we see now in the overall landscape of movies. But I love the stuff from the 1970s. We really haven't talked about movies pre-70s, but if I'm going to discuss one, how about West Side Story from 1961, one of my all-time favorite movies? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, I totally forgot about that, but you're absolutely right. That's an iconic New York movie for sure. Um, that would, yeah, that's, that's a great movie and movie musicals kind of having a little bit of a moment right now, you know, with the, with La La Land really just sweeping all the awards and everybody loved it. And now the greatest showman is coming out in, uh, I guess right around Christmas time, right? Right. With Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron. And the fact that that is also a musical, it has a Baz Luhrmann kind of, um, Moulin Rouge feel to it, which kind of looks cool and appealing to me. So yeah, I mean, movie musicals back then, that, that was, you know, that was a big, that was a big genre. And it sort of just, I don't know, maybe just Americans' attention span has changed. So I think, I think that's a big part of it. But, uh, you know, Natalie Wood gets a lot of acclaim in West Side Story and as well she should. But, you know, it, there's always a polarizing reaction to Richard Beamer, who played Tony. I, I actually think he's as charming as they come. And I love their chemistry in that film. And I, I think West Side Story is one of the great movies, New York, certainly New York City movies uh much much of it takes place in lincoln square that yeah. really good stands the test of time two i'll bounce into that are in the outer parts of new york city one takes place uh in brooklyn which is a movie called dog day afternoon also a 70s film with al pacino some of the great dialogue al pacino's ever given in a movie about a guy who robs a, a bank in a regular guy who robs a bank in brooklyn on a hot summer afternoon to, for, because he needs the money for a sex change operation for his boyfriend, even though three quarters of the movie, he, he's, re, he's married to a woman. And you, that disclosure comes out at the end of the film. You couldn't make up the story wow. if, if you tried to, but it's a true yeah. story. And it's a great movie called Dog Day Afternoon, uh, directed by Sidney Lamette, great director. And what about Sad Night Fever? with John Travolta from the uh, 1970s, which uh, most of it takes place in Brooklyn in the discos. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, it's it's certainly a New York movie overall. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a movie that I personally didn't like, but I I love the soundtrack and that's become so iconic. So I will always, you know, I'll always respect that as a New York movie. It just wasn't a movie 
I don't know. I maybe I yeah. I don't know. That was one of those movies that just kind of like a tootsie. It, just, it, it, yeah. it is. I, no, and you know, I'm not. I'm. I don't disagree with you on on Saturday Night Fever because you know I, I'll tell you a footnote on that film. The movie was initially really it was rated R and in, and it it is a hardcore movie. Make no yes, mistake. It is. About it. It's not. It's not a typical date night movie where no. You know, uh, it's not a romantic comedy. There's some really hardcore edges. Yep. Uh, in, in in Saturday Night Fever, but the movie was so popular, Victoria, at the box office in 1977 that the studio recut the movie to PG. Oh wow! For general audiences, so it brought in a more family-friendly accessibility. Yeah, to it. And I think that's the only movie in the top of my head that a studio ever took an R-rated movie and cut it to PG in in the same year to re-release it theatrically. That's a, that's that's some good trivia, and I you're right. I I can't certainly think of anything else that that has that's happened to. But um, you know, I think I wonder if because the music was so catchy, I wonder if it kind of lured people into thinking that it was a different type of movie Probably. that it was lighter. Probably. And it but is you're right. It's a dark, dark movie. It is a very dark movie. Last one on my list, just talking about a genre mm-hmm. entertainment that I think used New York City incredibly well, and especially uh, Central Park. What about Die Hard with a Vengeance? <laughs> I was going to say, how are we going to make it through a podcast without Chuck mentioning Die Hard? And there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. I, I've, I've never seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, so I don't know. I'll have to add that to my list. As Die Hard movies go, it's really good. They botched the end. It's actually one of the worst botched endings of any big budget studio <laughs> I've ever seen, but everything that comes before it is really good. Uh, and I always like movies where they feature or have a scene, a big scene in Central Park, because, again, Central Park is an awesome setting yeah, for it is. Uh, a movie setting. It is. And so, and, and actually that brings me to one on my list, which I don't know if you're going to like it or not, but to me, it, 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 it really showcased, especially at the holiday time, you know, we're coming up on Christmas in New York city is just to me the best time of the year. And so serendipity with John Cusack and, um, Kate Beckinsale. And Kate Beckinsale. I like that movie. Oh, do you? All right. So that's one of my favorite romantic comedies. Eugene Levy is hilarious. Jeremy Piven is fabulous in it too. The whole cast is great. But that movie, it just you're in Central Park. You're at the ice skating rink. You're at Woolman Rink. And it's um, snowing. And it's snowing in the movie. And it's snowing. You're at the plaza, or they're at the Waldorf. And then they're, they, they show scenes where they're walking on Fifth Avenue. They're at Serendipity, the actual little cafe. It's like a little... Um, if you've never been, I mean, it's such a tourist attraction. The line goes around the block uh, at Christmas time. But they really hit all of the major spots in New York City. And so just, just for sightseeing alone, that, uh, that's a great movie. Another one that I love, I love anytime classic New York is shown. I love an old black and white New York movie. And for me, one of my favorite movies of all time will always be Breakfast at Tiffany's. And the talk about Central Park. I mean, the you know the two Paul Varjak walking all through Central Park in what probably was would be considered today a, a, a very very unnecessarily long sequence of him walking through the park with Doc Holliday following him, and so uh, or Doc uh, go lightly following him. Okay. So that's kind of a but but it's I, a I, lot I, of New York City is shown in that too. I have to be classic. honest, you're mentally older than I am. I have never seen that movie. In <laughs> I mean, it is obviously, it's a fashion movie. It's a girly movie. It's a romance movie. I mean, there's a lot there to it, but it's classic New York. And if we stay for a second in the stylistic, um, in terms of fashion, The Devil Wears Prada did a great job 
yeah, showing so many different neighborhoods of New York City. Yep. I mean, you've got the high-end fashion sign, uh, fashion end of it where they've actually got Fashion Week, which back then I think would have still been at the Bryant Park where they had the tents there, which then moved over to uh, Lincoln Center. But there are so many great neighborhoods. They're in Soho. They're down in Tribeca. There's uh, and Actually, I was working at SiriusXM at the time they were filming that movie in our building. So the building that she goes to work in every day is actually the SiriusXM building. So one of our whole entrances was blocked off, and we were all standing around looking at Anne Hathaway going, what the heck is this movie? And then when Meryl Streep was in the building, I mean, it, people went nuts just trying to get a look at, at them. And actually, I interviewed all of them at the press junket. I was working for Cosmo Magazine's uh, radio channel at the time. And um, Anne Hathaway, like my least favorite person that I've ever interviewed. Meryl really? Streep, my favorite. Meryl Streep was phenomenal. Stanley Tucci was amazing to interview. He was great. Um, but yeah, that whole cast, that movie never gets old. And even my husband watches it all the time. Anytime it's on TV, he never changes the channel. He acts like he doesn't you know, really want to watch it, but he loves that movie. I think that's. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea how your interview went with uh, Anne Hathaway, but when you, oh, when she's you, so when, full of herself. Well, when you watch that movie, though, you do realize why she hit big in the business. I mean, she's just she she's is very good in it. it takes. Yeah, she is really good in that role, and I think. But Meryl Streep. I don't remember who won the Oscar that year, but I don't know why it didn't go to Meryl Streep. I mean, the restraint, the way that she, everything about that role and the way that she played that character, I thought Meryl Streep was just, I mean, she, the whole movie, she never speaks above a whisper. No. And, and, you know, and also, you know, uh, an actress who really uh, the forefront of her becoming a big name in the business, Emily Blunt. Absolutely. She was a standout in that movie. I'd never seen her before. I'd never heard of her so much. So she wasn't even in the press junkets. Wow. It was Adrian Grenier, because he was coming off of Entourage. And, and you know what? He's very appealing in that movie. He is. He's great yeah. in that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, they were the four main characters. They didn't even use Emily Blunt yeah. to do any of, like, the main press stuff, which now, looking back on it, to me, she's the standout character of the whole movie. You know, she's, she's just amazing. That, that movie would have definitely been lacking without her, her role as the first assistant and all the stuff that, that she puts um, Anne Hathaway's character Andy through. It's uh, she was yeah she was a phenomenon in that and that like you said that launched her career and I, and, I, and I got and I got to say and you know if Hollywood is is listening a movie like Devils Wear Wears Prada is is really the type of product that people really want to see yeah in yep. theaters you know I am it's much, I mean I like don't get me wrong I do like superhero movies and I like the big you know popcorn entertainment but there is a place that these movies you know were in especially in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. movies were so popular among moviegoers and they just did not making enough movies like this anymore. And they need to, I agree. That's maybe why, you know, it's ever, maybe why that's why the box office is suffering. If, unless it's wonder woman or superhero stuff, if they, if they made more movies like the devil wears Prada that, or, you know, I know wonder is doing really well at the box office with Julia well, where, Roberts. Where, where is the date night movie? Where is it? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. exist. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. You're absolutely right. It does not exist. One more. Yeah. You can finish it up. This will be the grand finale. Well, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw it to you. You have to. I mean, we, we'd be remiss. I know we talked about it last week on uh, 
uh, or the week before on, on, on 1984 movies, but Ghostbusters. Yes, that's true. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters one and two. I think the, the, uh, just like sex in the city, that the city of New York is the fifth Ghostbuster. It's the fifth lead character. You, the, the love that they have for New York city, the, the attitude that everyone in New York city has the, like, you know, the moxie of, of the, of the people and the battle with the mayor. I mean, there's so much like real life, authentic New York sentimentality in that, in both of those movies. The second one, I love Ghostbusters too. Not as good as the first one. The second one. I like it too. I like it too. But I like it. It always worked for me. Yeah, but I really do like it a lot. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Tavern on the Green is, you know, from the original Ghostbusters, it's, uh, it's still there in Central Park and people still... People still have uh, that moment of, you know, that's that's where uh, Rick Moranis, who lives on the Upper West Side as well, right actually near us. Um, and so that, that moment where Lewis Tully just runs right into the, the glass atrium yeah. there is hilarious. It's classic. Rick, Rick Moranis, listen, listen, you got to knock on his door and tell him to get out of retirement. My husband said to him, and my, yeah. actually, Lewis passed yeah. him on the street, uh-huh. I want to say a couple months ago, yeah. and it was his birthday. And I don't know how Lewis knew it was Rick Moranis' birthday, but he passed him on the street, and they were standing at a street corner. He goes, oh, hey, happy birthday, Mr. Moranis. And he just was like, well, thank you. And he's like really nice, and he went, out, <laughs> went about his business. But it's, he does a lot of voiceover work and he gets very annoyed apparently when people say he's retired because he's not okay so apparently he does a whole lot of voiceover stuff although you know they did say that they would do ghostbusters 3 if he came back and he said he won't yeah never never materialized i don't think we've seen the last of ghostbusters in any they're going to do another reboot in some form that the property just has too much validity last question I'll, i'll i'll ask you since you live in, in, in New York City, why is New York City such a great prime spot uh, for a background for feature films? You know, that's such a great question. I think that New York City is so unique in terms of American cities. Central Park doesn't exist anywhere else in that, you know, there's nothing like Central Park that exists in any other American city that I've ever been to. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't think that there's anything else that's like it. The skyline of New York City is so easily identifiable. Within two seconds, you know if it's New York City or, or somewhere else. And I think that it's just, there's so many buildings and the skyline is so iconic. And then when you get into the, the you know, the next layer down, you get into the people and the, and the, the characters who live in the city and all the different boroughs, everything is so different and so many different cultures in one city. I think people would have been stupid to not make New York City a huge backdrop for movies. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's interesting because I've been to Los Angeles a few times and obviously New, New Los Angeles is a ma- major city. It's sort of like New York City with palm trees and there, there's, <laughs> there's been some iconic Los Angeles movies, no doubt. I mean, Earthquake was a huge setting in 1974 and there's been many, but there, there's nothing that captures that what you just described, like yep. uh, the city of New York. Yeah. Just different. That's many, true. Many a reason. Well, that's, uh, so that's why we had to pay homage to our, our favorite hometown today. So New York City, we love you. The holidays are coming up. I've got a whole new list of New York City movies now from Chuck that I'm going to start watching. And uh, next week, I think maybe Chucker will get into some holiday movies. Sounds we've got good to, to me. Uh, I mean, we've only got a few weeks till Christmas, so we'll have to start listing our favorite holiday movies. Sounds good to me. Always a pleasure. And uh, next time in, um, when I get to New York in the next week, I'll be taking the D train. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks you so much. It.